todo el mundo. Was really... 1881. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the film The Ventures Stars on Guitars. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast for people who love music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now, on to the show. Today I have a co-host, Larry Hansen, who wrote a short story in Rock and Roll Nightmares, Do You Fear Like We Do, the 1970s edition. He writes under the pen name of Dr. Oolong, seemingly, and his story in the book is called Love Dies Bleeding. So welcome, Larry. Hello, Stacey. Nice to be back seeing yeah. or talking with you again. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your short story for rock and roll nightmares you reference a lot of cool 1970s bands and i'm wondering if you were thinking of any particular music when you were creating your main character well yeah the obviously the first line is about al scooper and when it comes to sort of uh spooky or uh horror rock or whatever what do they call that shock rock type of things mm -hmm. al scooper uh, you know he comes to mind first a little bit of Black Sabbath, perhaps, but I, I felt like the character, I wanted it to be a little bit lighter story. I think Alice Cooper has a lot of uh, humor underneath the, his uh, theatrics. So he was my main, or they were my main influence. You also have a, characters who are teenage girls in, in the book, and you have to, you know, write both of them as teenage girls, but different. And I, I remember that our audiobook narrators, um, Lillian Eves and Vincent Lee Grayson were saying that, you know, for that, it's fun to come up with different voices in the moment. But I'm wondering when you're writing it, how do you put yourself into the mindset of teenage girls? <laughs> that, yeah, that was, that just kind of flowed out of me. I don't know where it came from. Um, I kind of just visualized what the characters look like in my mind and how they would speak. And they just started speaking sort of naturally that way. They were, I wanted to, wanted to be a contrast in their physical and sort of verbal uh, dialogue that was very obvious. I wasn't thinking of it as audiobook, but it, it comes across really well as the audio, I believe. Yeah, it sure does. Um, so aside from coming up with 
rock and roll Ouija board short stories. You also write books and um, comedic sci-fi as Dr. Oolong seemingly. So tell us how you came up with that nom de plume and what you like about the sci-fi genre. All right. So Dr. Oolong seemingly came out of a, uh, my first attempt at writing a theatrical play, which was uh, a series of connected one acts and uh a character walked in and I just named him Dr. Long seemingly, and I really liked the name. So I ended up adopting it for myself. And uh, I, yeah, I've been going with it. I'm really happy with it. It's very and, memorable. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, people seem to remember it pretty well. And um, there's something about, and he's not a doctor, by the way, his, his mom named him doctor. Uh, <laughs> so she wanted a doctor in the family. So that's his actual first name is doctor. Um, and as far as sci-fi, I'm a big fan of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, Douglas Adams, who I got to meet one time. And my stories are very light. They're generally uh, sort of venturous, weird little tales, and they don't generally even have villains. I think the last one has a villain. The, the first two didn't have any villains. They're more just adventure. Yeah, I love them. Um, so uh, where can you be found online and where can readers get your books? Well, they're all available on Amazon. You know, they're available as uh, ebooks and print books. I also have a web page, uh, which is www.zenrage.com. Zenrage is my company name as well, my publishing name. I love that Zen Rage. It's kind of like the two contrasting words like Led Zeppelin or Iron Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I envisioned a, a Buddha, you know, with uh, in the calm state with his hands out with a pencil in the right hand, just snapping. <laughs> That's how it came up with the image. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you, Larry. And um, <laughs> so now let's get to today's guest. All right. Today's guest is the guitarist and vocalist of the Black Moods, Josh Kennedy. The band has gotten radio play all over the world, plus has had some tunes on the Billboard charts. Bands liken their sound to the grungy but accessible 90s bands like Bush, and um, I concur, although I do know that they were influenced by uh, the 1970s, so we're going to get into that a little bit with Josh. Um, the band is also open for the Gin Blossoms and White Snake, to name a couple, and they have a brand new album out, so let's get Josh on the line. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you for having me. Good morning or whatever time it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Larry has the first question for you. Okay. Hey, Larry. Hey, Josh. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did uh, you guys first form? And um, if you want to go ahead and name the other members of the band for the for our audience. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I grew up in Wheaton, Missouri, which is a really small town in the Ozarks. And so I, uh, the, the Jim Blossoms, I caught them when I was a little kid on uh, I, it was an award show and I just fell in love with those guys. And, um, cause you know, this is kind of on the cast. I, I hung out with a lot of older cats when I was in school, I hung out with the older crowd. And so, you know, they were heavy into like the eighties music and that kind of thing, which just wasn't, I just didn't connect with that. I was definitely more of an old school rocker, even though I was, wasn't old. <laughs> but, um, when I heard the Jim Blossoms at their songwriting, the, the way they played, it was, you know, seems something attainable. And so I wound up moving to uh, Tempe, Arizona when I graduated high school to come out here to go to school, uh, recording school. 
and I wound up and I, you know, found out the blossoms were from here and wound up chasing them down. And, uh, I wound up in, interning at their studio and then they wound up going back out on the road. And so I started guitar teching for them uh, and all this, all the while, you know, working on my own songs and, you know, getting acclimated with studio life. And, and I met Chico and we started kind of playing around town here and kind of got, you know, started getting a following and that kind of thing. And then we played with Jordan, who's our bass player. Uh, he was in another band uh, from Los Angeles and we played with him in Scottsdale or something like that. And we wound up kidnapping him a couple of months later and he moved from LA and was right into Phoenix and we hit the ground running, you know. It's really ser uh, serendipitous then that you love the gin blossoms and you got to connect with them and work with them. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was awesome because, you know, I, I had said, I think I was 13 or something that I was gonna play guitar with the gin blossoms and, and you know, cut scene to when I turned 21, uh, I was actually out on the road with them, guitar tech, and I went to hand the guitar to Scotty, the lead guitar player. It was somewhere in Florida, I think, and it was it was like a, the day after my birthday or something. So he was like, "Here, play it." And I was like, "Oh, I'm playing guitar with the Jim Blossoms." <laughs> wow, that's that's a dream come true. Well, you know, I was lucky enough to catch your live show in Las Vegas. And um, I have to say, I was really impressed by your kind of, you have a big stadium rock sound and presentation, and even though you were in a somewhat small club. Um, so, you know, while your music is fresh, I did get some kind of Led Zeppelin and Who type vibes. So I'm wondering what some of your favorite bands were from the 70s, since you, that was kind of your sweet spot growing up. Yeah, you know, um, Credence was a big was a, was always in our house uh, and then you know Hendrix I'd I, I the first time I ever heard Jimi Hendrix was Wayne's World actually <laughs> wow yeah Foxy Lady and I remember I was in the theater and my mom took me and my friends to go see it and uh, and it was it just blew me away and I, I asked my friend I was like what is this and he knew before I did we were in the same class and everything but so yeah Hendrix um, you know uh, the James Gang a lot of that it's it's funny now because I really liked the the Zeppelin aspect in the four piece, but looking back, a lot of my influences and a lot of stuff I listened to were the power trios, which we eventually, you know, wound up becoming a trio. So, uh, but, uh, you know, the police, all that kind of stuff was just really heavy. And then, the, of course, where I'm from in the Ozarks, you couldn't get away from the Southern rock, you know, everybody, look, listen, Leonard Skinner was like a mandatory listening. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And so a lot of that kind of stuff really, you know, was in and in a, you know, Merle Haggard and all that really old school country stuff was just really embedded in my brain. So speaking of power trios, I was wondering, they seem to be, they were more common back in the seventies bands like Budgie and, but do you have any plans of adding any additional players? I noticed you had a keyboardist on. on one yeah, of your you know, it, um, I think we get the job done us, just the three of us, but in, eventually it'd be nice because there are a lot on the new record. There's a little, you know, uh, a Hammond and uh, some keys are really prominent that I like to use. And we, we have a, we had a really good guy come in and play on it. Uh, but yeah, you know, eventually down the road, it'd be nice to ha have a utility guy that can play keys and do some harmonies and that kind of thing. Yeah, that, uh, that it was on the Tom Petty cover where I heard the keys and I thought it was yeah. 
it was almost necessary. You couldn't really. Absolutely, yeah. But the power trio sound is great. I love it. Yeah, it really is. It's got a super big sound. Um, and your music, I feel like it it feels buoyant and upbeat, but your name, the Black Moods, <laughs> sort of belies that. But I understand that the band name kind of came from a description of Jim Morrison describing his own uh, Black Moods that he sometimes kind of go into. And of course, he's probably the most famous member of the 27 Club, uh, which we cover in our Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. And there are so many theories um, surrounding the 27 Club. And I, I got a little tip that you're into all that sort of uh, true crime and stuff like that. So do you right. have a favorite kind of uh, 27 Club conspiracy theory? I don't know about that. Um, it's it is pretty ironic. I will say that that happens to like the best of them. Uh, when we, you know, when we, we talked to you, when we saw you in Vegas and, and uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit, I got to thinking about one cat too. Uh, is it Pete Ham from Badfinger? He's, he's one of those that's like overlooked a lot. I think yeah. he's not mentioned in the 27 club. Yeah, exactly. But, and two members from Badfinger committed suicide by hanging, which is really kind of is insane, right? Oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. But I don't know about all that because I, I was even thinking because there's those theories too about Morrison where he, you know, some people say he's like just died in the bathtub, and then there's that other thing where he OD'd in the club down the street and they carried him back to his apartment kind of thing so i don't know yeah i mean there's so many and of course uh ray manzarek who was really you know he became the doors later on and really carried on the the mystique and i remember in his book he said oh well jim morrison could be alive still you know and he kind of started that one that's a good um disappearing act if that's the case do that famous. Know, right he and elvis are <laughs> hanging out somewhere at a burger king yeah, Burger King, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so Josh, you just released a new album. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the style or uh, any of the songs on it? The album's called Into the Night. Um, you know, at the time, there was a lot of, rock was kind of having a resurgence, you know, every every few years you get you hear that, oh, rock is dead, bullshit or whatever, but um, right. never is. It's just, you know, it's just trends, but um, we kind of went at a time when uh, there was some records come out, you know, you got bands carrying the torch, like Greta Van Fleet, Dirty Hunting, these guys, and they, it's, they really kind of tapped into the uh, to the Zeppelin kind of side of making records and stuff. It's, you know, that's kind of heavy handed on that. And so we kind of thought we'd go the other way. And we were listening to the Stones and like Exile on Main Street at the time. And we had moved our whole studio from Phoenix whenever COVID hit to the Ozarks where I'm from wow. and to our label head. He had a, he's got a house back there, a really big house that we just kind of, we got to all have our own room and, and we just put the studio in the house so we could just live in it and record for a couple months. And because, you know, you being in the city it didn't make any sense. You couldn't go to, you couldn't go to restaurants, you couldn't go to clubs, you couldn't go hang out and do anything. So we figured we'd go back to the where I'm from in the country where you know we could go to the lake, which Table Rock Lake's right there, and then we could go to the creek and hang out and, and you know, we would that's just I think that all kind of got absorbed into the record. I think you can hear it. I can hear it anyways, and it puts me right back where we were when we were making the album and the country part of things and kind of like the looseness of the songs and, and that kind of vibe. So uh, with that being said, it's it's not a country record at all, but it's got 
more of that laid back hint and, and not so much in a, you know, it's got different variety of tunes on it for sure. But I think a lot of it is you can hear the, you can hear the environment in the songs because if we got stumped on anything like writing lyrics or something, we'd just be, we just jump in the Jeep and go down to the Creek and take the acoustics and drink beer and work on them down there, you know? And so it was a very uh, inspiring environment. Very organic. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It kind of reminds me too of some of, you know, what bands used to do back in the day. I, I saw a documentary about Bob Dylan and the band doing the basement tapes and they were, you know, isolated. Yeah. And of course, Led Zeppelin when they did Led Zeppelin three in Wales and you can really feel the, yeah. you know, the nature influence of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I want to take a little break now to play one of my favorite songs of yours. So I'm going to play it right now. Awesome.
Yeah, so that was Saturday night, and it's on the new album by the Black Moods. And so, Josh, you play a variety of guitars, um, including a really beautiful Black Gibson that I fell in love with when I saw you playing it. Um, how many do you have, and which one is your favorite? Oh, um, I got quite a few. Actually, I just got I got a new Martin given to me for my birthday uh, yesterday from a friend of mine. So I just got a new one. Yeah, which is great. But um, I'd say my 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 Les Paul because. I got that thing when I was 12 and I, I, I had no, I, I didn't have strings on it or anything. I took a chance on, you know, when you're a little kid and you work at a grocery store after school, buying a pack of strings cause you're not getting discounts on that. You know, when you can't afford strings, nobody, you, you know, they're, they're expensive. And then when you can't afford them, they give them to you. <laughs> wow, like a 12-year-old with the Les Paul, that's like a kid with a new driver's license getting a Absolutely. Porsche or something, right? Wow. Oh, yeah. and it's, a, it's a 76, uh, it's actually a 76 Epiphone, and it's still got Gibson on it, and it's before they cut away the headstock and everything like that. So, um, And my friend Drew Foppy, who's guitar tech extraordinaire, uh, he's kind of uh, souped it up and hot-rotted it for me, so I, I think that's probably my favorite one. Stacy mentioned at the top of the show that you've opened for some really famous bands. Do you have any um, fun stories about working with some of these elder statesmen? Actually, uh, Robbie Krieger, when they did the Doors' 50th anniversary, he went out and uh, we got to open. We were playing a show in Flagstaff, Arizona. That was the first one. I hadn't, I'd met Robbie briefly backstage and his son was out singing for him. He was a great guy, and uh, but he was under the weather, and it was like a snowstorm. I'm, you know, if it's snowing anywhere in the U.S., it's snowing in Flagstaff, is how it goes. But <laughs> it was, it was really, the weather was terrible, and the, I w we played our set, it went good, and and so I was out at the merch booth, and my drummer Chico comes running up as I'm we're signing some shirts or something. He said, uh, "Hey, you need to come backstage with me real quick," and I was kind of just like, "Hey, I, you know, give me a minute. I'm with you know some people." and he said, no, you need to come right now. And what happened was the singer got sick and ran to Chico backstage and said, hey, is there any chance, can you sing? And Chico said, no, but, and he came and got me and he said, no, you need to sing for him. And I, so I ran back there like that, you know, like I was on fire and, uh, and I go out and, and I, I, I did Roadhouse with him and oh, I got, wow. got up on stage and Robbie, so polite, just such a gentleman. He's, he comes right up to me and says, uh, while we're on stage and he says hey you josh joshua would you like a guitar and i said no. Uh, I said, no you play the guitar i'm just gonna focus on not screwing this up you know and then it was cool because i wound up we did we did like three or four shows and so i wound up getting up with him every night and doing a couple songs and it was it was just yeah that was a bucket list for me that i didn't know i had you know that it was even possible is to fill in for jim morrison for a couple shows wow no <laughs> kidding that was great but I love that story. And um, I want to ask you, what inspires your lyrics? And do you write lyrics first and then the music? Or what's your process? Um, it kind of goes both ways. It takes all kinds, you know. Some I've got a whole phone full of just like mumblings. And I got, you know, I'll write down, there's a song called Junk Excuses on the record. And I'd been watching a, uh, the band uh, had just put out a documentary called once we're brothers, I believe is what it was called. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's really good. So good. But I was I was watching it. I was laying on the couch watching this documentary, and 
there's a whiteboard in our studio that, you know, just got a bunch of shit on it <laughs> and little notes and to-do lists and that kind of thing. And, uh, he was talking about Leon, Levon Helm, uh, Robbie Robertson was saying how he just, when he was going through his heroin addiction, all that stuff, he was just giving these junky excuses. And so I laid on the couch and I was like, man, that's a good, that's a good thing. You know, so I got up and I wrote it down on the whiteboard and then I was probably, probably up there for two months. And then eventually like I, I got this song idea and I had this melody line on a guitar. And then when I wrote the song, it just kind of fell right in there, you know? So things can happen like that. And then, you know, there's a song called uh, Home off of our Sunshine record, which is the last, or not the latest one, but the one before this. And uh, um, I was FaceTiming my little boy and he was, you know, just a baby. I mean, he's four now, but, and he would get all, when we're FaceTiming and stuff, cause we're on the road, I would, he'd get this kind of, I could lullaby him, you know, I'd play, just get my acoustic and play for him. And, and then when he's on the, when he was on, then he'd calm him down and, I wound up playing this little lick and it just clicked all of a sudden. So, you know, I was, I was like, gotta call you back. And I, you know, I told his mom, I was like, I'll call you right back. And so I hung up and wrote this song called Home in 10 minutes. And, you know, it's about being on the road and being away from, you know, the people you love and you care about and hoping that they don't grow up too fast or grow away from you while you're gone type of thing. So you write in all kinds of ways. That's what's, that's what's great about it, you know? Yeah, it's really lucky that you get to FaceTime with your with your kid, you know. I know because, I, you think yeah. about the days before that, you right. know, on the road warrior, it's like, you know, you can't see through a payphone kind of thing. And so that's, I'm, we're lucky in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So this is the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. So of course, before we let you go, I have to ask, what is your rock and roll nightmare? I think literally... If you know you have you have those dreams where you're like punching somebody or something and you just can't connect and it's just <laughs> I've had these reoccurring nightmares too like that but where I'm playing and it's like that scene from Back to the Future where his hands disappearing yeah. <laughs> that is my rock and roll nightmare. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so, uh, Josh, where can people find you and the Black Moods online, and where can they listen to and download your music? Best place is theblackmoods.com. It's got links to everything from our Instagrams, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok, all that stuff. And then, um, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you stream your music, you can find us. Just go on there and follow us anywhere you can. That's that's what it's about these days, you know? Absolutely. Yes, I do follow you on Spotify and I got your last album on iTunes and I'm going to get the new one. So I encourage everyone else to do the same. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. As always, I'm going to close the show by reading an excerpt from the best-selling book, Rock and Roll Nightmares, True Stories, Volume 1. Still another story about Jim Morrison's death comes from Sam Burnett, who managed Jim's favorite nightclub at the time. Sam makes claims in his book, Jim Morrison, The End, that the Doors frontman actually died in a toilet stall at Rock and Roll Circus after buying heroin from two unknown dealers. Writer and photographer Patrick Chevelle was tending bar that night and was called into action to carry the lifeless Lizard King up a staircase, he said. 
I think he was already dead. I don't know. It was a long time ago, and we weren't drinking only water. Sam wanted to call an ambulance, but he was warned by his boss to stay silent in order to avoid the law and legal trouble in connection with the club. Ultimately, he believes that the drug dealers carried Jim's body outside and drove him home, then dumped him into the bathtub where Pam discovered him in the morning. Others vehemently deny that Jim ever touched heroin. Not only did he hate needles, but it was the main reason he and his girlfriend, whom he referred to as his cosmic mate, had such a rocky relationship. This concludes another episode of Rock and Roll Nightmares. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson. The theme song, Out for Blood, is composed and sung by Lars with a Z, Cabot, and the band is Fuzzbuster. You can hear the whole track in the horror comedy film Valentine Days, also with a Z. For photos of the guests and show archives, please visit the website rockandrollthings.com. That's rock and roll with an N. You can also join the Rock and Roll Nightmares Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at rock and roll nightmares books. That's B-O-O-K-S. This is an indie podcast, so your subscriptions and ratings are really important. Thank you for joining me. And until next time. <laughs>